Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast 9 and 3 quarters topic of the week is... Can all wizards see the future? Hey listeners, I'm Jem, and I think maybe they can all see the future, probably? (laughs) And I'm Rhea, and I think, no, they probably can't all see the future, and... I'm really much more interested in whether or not they can change the future and what the future is. And this is going to be a messy episode, guys. There's a lot going on. Yay. (laughs) I love it when it gets messy. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. This is, this is going to be lore heavy and it's going to be all about time travel and fate and prophecy and blah, blah, blah. So where this started is if listeners like remember way, way back to our very early episodes is the cursed child canon. I started talking about time travel in stories and how the cursed child drives me crazy because the time travel in the cursed child doesn't work like the time travel in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. In the cursed child, you can change the past when you travel into the past. Whereas in Mm -hmm. the Prisoner of Azkaban, when you travel into the past, it's part of a closed loop and everything you do in the past always happened and leads you into the future that was already there. Yeah. Or the present that was already there. So, (laughs) where this episode came from is I was at a live show of a Sans Pants radio show. Nice. In Melbourne. (laughs) And I got into a conversation with one of the podcasters from that show, Joel Dusha. I'm calling him out by name. Oh, he'll love that. (laughs) I know, he's going to be so mad. (laughs) (laughs) On a Harry Potter podcast, nonetheless. I know. We've we've had several conversations in the at in the past at various live shows. Now I'm talking about you on my podcast. Sorry. <laughs> we got into oh, I was in a conversation with him and another person and we were talking about time travel in various different pieces of media. Yes. And the other person in the conversation started citing Cursed Child and talking about that. And I got <laughs> mad and brought up what I just explained about how the time travel doesn't make sense. And Joel Dusha turned to me and said... I can imagine how elegantly you put that. Yeah, I was big mad. I was angrily I was angrily talking to two people about Harry Potter who did not care about Harry Potter at all. Story of my life. <laughs> yeah, story of this podcast. Yeah. And Joel Dusha turned to me and said, if you can't change the past, that means you can't change the future. So that means, in Harry Potter, fate is set, and there's no free will. And that fucking blew my mind. This conversation had two- this conversation (laughs) happened to me two years ago, and I'm only bringing it up on the podcast and now, (laughs) because I've been thinking about it for two years. (laughs) Oh my gosh. He broke your world that day. (laughs) He did. Because I've always read Harry Potter as being all about, like- 
free will and you know Harry's life isn't defined by this prophecy it's defined by the choices that he makes blah 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 and I never thought about how that is completely at odds with my staunch devotion to the idea that time travel cannot change the past (laughs) because you know he's right if you can't change the past you can't change the future but that just makes sense it does make sense (laughs) I'm so mad (laughs) (laughs) so it's your I like strong beliefs about time travel as unstoppable force, and then your belief about the <laughs> Harry Potter series being about free will, and it's not what you're born, but what you choose to be is the immovable object, <laughs> and that is colliding. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> perfect. Two opposing forces in my mind, and I'm I'm stuck between them. So I hadn't really put that much thought into right, you know, how fate works in the series, at least not consciously. But as soon as you told me this about how, you know, the future must be fixed then and everything that was going to happen in the series was always going to happen no matter what the characters did because you can't change the future. I was just sort of like, yeah. I mean, a part of me, I guess, always knew Mm -hmm. that because of my favorite quote from the series. It's from the Half-Blood Prince. And it's when uh, Dumbledore has told Harry about the prophecy and how Mm -hmm. it'll be inevitable that he'll have to face Voldemort. Um, And Harry thinks it was, he thought, the difference between being dragged into the arena to face a battle to the death and walking into the arena with your head held high. Some people would say, perhaps, that there was little to choose between the two ways, but Dumbledore knew, and so do I, thought Harry, with a rush of fierce pride, and so did my parents, that there was all the difference in the world. That's my favourite quote. (laughs) It's just Harry having this strong sense of resignation Mm -hmm. about, like, even though I'm facing a path that there is no choice. I was always going to be at this path. The fact that I'm choosing to go along this path anyway, I'm not being dragged by my fingernails. That's what makes all the difference in the world. And that's such a strong character moment. And it's gone from the movies because the movies mm-hmm. just took a giant dump on the, on the books, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And that's how I'd like to think of it. Yeah. The movies are like, Harry doesn't need good character development moments. Harry needs to make goo-goo eyes at Hermione for yeah, no fucking great. reason. Yeah, it's great. I love it. <laughs> so that's, that's incredibly important as a character choice. But for me, I'm still stuck on the fact that, like, whether Harry is choosing to walk down the path of his destiny or he's being dragged mm-hmm. forcibly down the path of his destiny, he's still set on a path. Yeah. He's still locked into one future or one fate. And... I guess you're just like, yep, that's the way of it. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like, I... Okay, so this is going to go on a bit of a tangent. Have you ever heard of... You know Veronica Roth, who wrote the Divergent series? (laughs) Yes. Okay, so she wrote another YA trash series that I'm reading right now. It's, like, the Carve the Mark series, about, like, space and all this sort of stuff. But anyway, there's this whole part of this world where there's fates. So Mm -hmm. there are people in this world who are like prophets and oracles, they can see the future and they see thousands and billions and hundreds of futures all at once. Like they're constantly seeing all these different paths, the way in which the world can go. But there are certain futures that are completely locked that no matter what choices people make and what different roads they may take, they'll always end up at a certain point. And these Mm -hmm. are locked in fates. And so there's a difference between fate and then the general future. And I was thinking, is this the kind of canon that applies in Harry Potter too? Because there's all these prophecies out there, but only Mm -hmm. some of them are like 
real, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> Yeah, like, that's fascinating to me as well. I want to talk about that. Yeah. So Dumbledore hints himself that there's, like, in the Hall of Prophecy, when Harry goes in, he sees all the spheres everywhere, and then in the aftermath, they're talking about it. And Dumbledore's like, do you think all the, the orbs in the Hall of Prophecy have actually come true? They're just predictions, basically, is what he's saying. And that there's, like, mm-hmm. a difference between the prophecies, the ones, like, the one between Harry and Voldemort, and then just general other things that don't necessarily come to fruition. So mm-hmm. is that, like, the difference between a fate in the Veronica Roth context and then just general predictions is what I'm thinking. It's like the one with Harry and Voldemort, a specific prophecy that was always going to happen because it's locked in no matter what any other prophecies interfering with it could have done. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. Like in Doctor Who, where he and Donna go to Pompeii and Donna's like, well, why can't you just fix this? Like, you're a Time Lord. Just save everyone. And Mm. he's like, no, I can't because... I generally I can go around and change things and I can save people who would normally die if I wasn't here but Pompeii is a fixed point in time and I can't change it Mm -hmm. and he doesn't really explain why I don't know he's a magic space alien doesn't matter why (laughs) he just can't yeah (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so yeah that's that's all I got to say on that really (laughs) I have a lot that I want to say about Voldemort and Harry but I'll get into it later okay What's interesting to me about Harry and Voldemort and their prophecy is why it came true. The sequence of events which caused that prophecy to be locked in and mm-hmm. be something that was unescapable. Because I don't think... Well, mm, I'm interested in when that happened and if there was a process of that happening or if it was always inescapable from the moment that it happened. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about. I think that okay, the Harry Potter-Tom Riddle prophecy went from just being a prediction and became a prophecy because of a ritual associated with it. So I think... Okay. Sybil Trelawney said her shit at the job interview. And it's like, oh, you know, there's going to be a kid born mm-hmm. and he's going to be the one that faces the Dark Lord. And then that's just a prediction. But then as soon as Snape went and told Voldemort about it and Dumbledore was made aware of all this going on about Snape and all this sort of stuff, it became a prophecy because uh-huh. Dumbledore and the other like participants were deciding on this prophecy and acting upon it to complete a sort of ritual. Like, they they weren't just, like, hearing yeah. a prophecy and going with it. They were purposely trying to do something to fulfill this prophecy, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So by continually following in its steps, they made it a destiny or a fate. Mm-hmm. So you think... And that's what we kind of talked about earlier in our definitions of magic. Like, it's, like, about completing a ritual. That's mm-hmm. where I think prophecy and stuff comes into our definitions. Yeah. That's how big magic, as opposed from, like, sm- mm. spells that you cast with your wand, like, the big magic things, like love magic, is all based in ritual. Yeah. Yeah. So you think that the choices made by Snape, Dumbledore, and Voldemort are what set Harry's destiny in motion. Absolutely. Okay, that's interesting. So here's what I want to say about the future being set and being unable to change the future. I think that that is only true if you know the future. Like, obviously, if you don't know the future, okay. then you're just you're just shaping it as you go. But it's, it's mm-hmm. the moment when you know the future that that future has effectively, like, it's already happened, it is happening, it will happen, whatever you want to say. It's locked in. Yeah. That's when you create time loops and things. But so normally in a time travel story, this would work because like the people in the story either visit the future 
which as far as we're aware in Harry Potter, that's not possible because you can't travel forward in time, only back. Or mm-hmm. someone who comes from the future comes back in time and tells you about the future. Like that's, that happens in Terminator. Yeah. The first Terminator movie. I don't care about all the other Terminator movies. The first one is the only one that matters. Because <laughs> it has that closed loop time travel. Um, <laughs> that's technically possible in Harry Potter. Like you could talk to someone who's been to the future, but the way of the time turners is like, you can only sort of go back a couple of hours at a time or maybe yeah. a few days at the most. And like the Ministry of Magic has put laws in place that's like if you go back in time, you cannot talk to anyone, you cannot be seen. It's like specifically set up to avoid creating these paradoxes of fucking with time. Yeah. So you don't really know what would happen if you did try and mess with it. I think it just wouldn't work and the consequences would be bad. Mm-hmm. In the magical world of Harry Potter, as opposed to like the reality of something like Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Knowledge of the future is unique because it comes from magical means like divination and prophecy. Mm-hmm. So, according, I, I just have questions about prophecies. According to my understanding, if someone makes a prophecy about the future, the very act of doing so should lock the universe into the shape of that particular future. And I argue that that's what happened with Harry and Voldemort. I think okay. the moment that Trelawney made the prophecy, yeah. the future was set. And it wasn't really based on their choices. Okay. But then that contradicts with what Dumbledore says about how many prophecies made by real seers in the wizarding world go unfulfilled. I think maybe he was saying that just to, like, Mm -hmm. make Harry feel better. Maybe it's a lie. Or maybe there are lots of seers who are faking prophecies and they're not really doing it. Like, I don't know how accurate prophecies are. It's just the amount, though... The amount of those prophecies in that hall, that's, that's so many. Yeah, the amount of prophecies. There's so many. Like, there's no way they could all be... Yeah. But the other thing is, we don't necessarily know that all of these prophecies are like the ones that Trelawney does where she, you know, chants these mm-hmm. words to Dumbledore in a fugue state. It could also be stuff like when Trelawney's like, yeah. Neville, when you break your first cup, um, make sure yeah, you take okay. a new cup later. That's technically a prophecy. Like, she did it. She predicted the future, and it happened. No, no, I think that's a prediction. I think there's a distinct difference between a prophecy and a prediction. Okay. So, I think there's little predictions about everyday things, but prophecies, capital P, is like what gets put into a glass orb and can only be touched by the people who are part of the prophecy and all this sort of stuff. I feel like it's a lot stronger and a lot more, Mm I don't know, tangible than a little prediction. That's what I always assumed when reading the Harry Potter books. And it has to be acted upon to be real. Yeah, and it's based on choices. Yeah. That's what I always assumed when reading the books, and that's what I think is strongly implied by the narrative. But my new theories about time travel and how you can't change the future is making me, like, rage against that assumption. Okay. (laughs) So my other question is, can true prophecy and free will exist at the same time or do they cancel each other out? Okay, well, I have an answer to that. Your theory seems to say, yeah, your theory seems to say, yeah, because predictions aren't prophecy, blah, blah, blah. You can make choices. I I lean towards no. (laughs) Okay. Can I read you a quote from this wonderful essay that I found? Yes. This is an essay called A Story of the Exceptional Fate and Free Will in the Harry Potter series. It's by Julia Mm -hmm. Pond. She says, Through Nietzsche's theory, we find that individuals can remain inscribed by fate while exercising free will within its boundaries. Mm -hmm. To create this space, then, 
fate predicts based on an, an individual's personality, and that individual may react to fate by fulfilling it. In this way, Harry fulfills his destiny, because he would have done so even without a prophecy foretelling his future. Mm-hmm. So even though the fate or the prophecy or the future already exists, the characters still have a choice on whether or not they're willing to fulfill that fate and that makes a big difference in the way that the story unfolds because if harry had been unwilling because of whatever reason he'd been unwilling to face voldemort but unwilling to step up and be the hero and save the world because of voldemort's reign of terror Mm -hmm. it would have made a huge difference in the story because harry would have been a victim he wouldn't have been a hero he would have been hated and he would have felt um i don't know what's the word forced i guess and yeah he would have been bitter. And so that would have changed the way that the world experienced everything that w- that happened. You know, people would have hated Harry, maybe. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was willing, because of the fate already in place of his parents being killed, of course he's going to hate Voldemort and want him to be destroyed and understand how important mm-hmm. it was that Voldemort be destroyed. So, does that make sense? Am I making sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It does make a difference. Yeah, yeah. you're saying that, like, the prophecy is set... But Harry makes choices yeah. to follow that prophecy, and in doing so, he has free will. Yes. I mean, he was always going to follow the prophecy because the prophecy is set. But what matters, I guess, mm-hmm. is how we feel about it. I know that sounds stupid, but... It does sound stupid. <laughs> I know. When it comes to the lives of the people in these stories, it does matter how they feel about it, because everyone has, I guess you could say, not everyone, but a lot of people have a destiny. They have like a, a, a place where they're going to end up naturally, and mm-hmm. it just it's just about whether or not they fight it <laughs> or they accept it okay. and then they fight with it, if that makes sense. That determines their character and it determines how they're going to end up in their own future, if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> this is so I'm messy. about to say something a little bit a little bit complicated. I listeners, we I warned you this episode was gonna be messy. It's gonna be so messy. <laughs> so Okay, so you're saying that even though Harry chooses to go along with what the prophecy has predetermined for him. His choice still matters. Yeah. I guess what I want to say is that I think that the prophecy that Trelawney makes only exists because all of the people that it affects act in the way that they do. Yeah. So I think that like... That's what I'm saying too. You know, if... Yeah, if Lily Potter wasn't willing to die for her son, it wouldn't contradict the prophecy the prophecy would never have been made in the first place yes because it wouldn't have this sequence of events wouldn't play out exactly right if all the people didn't act in the way that they do yes which makes me think that oh i don't know if they don't have free will or if they do i don't know if that's free will or not i have a quote about this if it helps you understand it better yeah let's talk about fate and free will now that's what we're doing This is a quote by James Smith from the same essay I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking about individual future acts, we should consider the future in terms of an an inevitability of character and making a prediction based on the kind of person I know them to be. Mm -hmm. So that's what you were talking about. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Does that help you at all? (laughs) Yes. So, okay. It's time for me to go into my long speech about... The Harry Voldemort prophecy yeah. and my many thoughts about it. Let's go. Do you have anything you want to jump in with here? Because I'm going to talk for a while. <laughs> I might jump in with some disagreements or something, but we'll see how we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start by saying the prophecy because it's uh, the wording's going to be important. I'm going to refer back to it. 
right. So, the Harry Voldemort prophecy. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches. Born to those who have thrice defied him. Born as the seventh month dies. And the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not. And either must die at the hands of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord will be born as the seventh month dies. That's the prophecy made by Sybil Trelawney to Albus Dumbledore, and Mm -hmm. overheard partially by Snape. Yep. Okay. Choice is so interesting to me in this prophecy, because it's not actually about anything inherent. It's not like, you know, someone will be born who can shoot lasers out of his eyes, and no one else can shoot lasers out of his eyes, and that's why he's going to kill Voldemort. Like, it's not about anything like that. All the... All of this, like, power that the Dark Lord knows not, all of that is about Voldemort's choices. Yes. And not about Harry's. And that's... Everything here is about what Voldemort does, which is so interesting to me. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not completely unique in fantasy stories. Like, it's pretty often to be like, you know, the one who will kill the evil, corrupt king will be born in this village, and then the king goes down and burns the entire village except the one baby who survives, and that's the one who goes and kills the king because he burned down the village, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but in prophecies like this, usually the one with the power to defeat the Dark Lord would have referred to some sort of special ability. Mm-hmm. And I like that Harry... Harry is not born with some sort of special power that nobody in the wizarding world has. No. At the moment of his birth, he isn't special or different to any other baby. Everything that is a part of Harry's ability to defeat Voldemort only came about because of Voldemort's failed attempt on his life. Mm-hmm. The whole, like, power the Dark Lord knows not is love magic, which yeah. came from Lily's sacrifice, which came because Voldemort tried to kill Harry. Mark him as his equal came from... His scar yeah. and the mental link which allows him... Yeah, comes from Voldemort. Yeah, Mark him yeah. as his equal. That came from Voldemort's choice. The matching wand cause, which means that Voldemort can't outright attack him and kill him in a duel. That comes from Harry being Voldemort's horcrux yeah. as a result of Voldemort trying to kill him. Like, it's mm-hmm. all about what Voldemort did. So, I like that Harry doesn't really have a choice. Harry is locked into his destiny when Voldemort chooses him. Yes. And I was thinking about, is the choice of Harry predetermined? Like, or is that an actual thing that Voldemort chose? I think it's an actual thing that Voldemort chose. Yeah. Because like Dumbledore said, well, like he guessed. And Dumbledore's basically the god of the series, so his word is kind of, you know, uh-huh. sacrosanct. But like Dumbledore said, Voldemort choose, chose Harry because he was the half-blood. And Voldemort must have seen a mm-hmm. potential in Harry probably because he's, like, what is it? Projecting? Yeah. Probably because he's projecting projecting. onto this baby. And so Voldemort was the one that made the decision, not fate. Because it could have been Neville. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Voldemort shows that he was, that Harry was his equal. I can't remember, did Voldemort know the, that he will mark him as his equal? I don't think so. Oh no, he did. I think he just knew the first part. Oh, okay. Did he just know... The one who will power the vanquished the Dark Lord approaches, born to those who have thrice defied and born in seventh month died. Is that all that he knew? Or did he also know the next line, which is yeah. the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not? I'm not sure if he knew the next line. I just don't know. Yeah. I think he only knew the first line. I think he just knew the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord, born to parents who have thrice defied yeah. and born as the seventh month dies. Yeah. I think that's all the information he had. Because if he knew that the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal thing... I think he would have been much more yeah. careful about what he chose. Yeah. 
Yeah, but then again, he was quite arrogant. Like, this is a prophecy yeah. made based upon, like I said before... Voldemort's personality. Making a prediction based on personality, yeah. So th- yeah. the personality of Voldemort by projecting onto the Half-Blood, check. Uh, the personality of Voldemort by hearing that, you know, he will mark this boy as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not. He would still probably go ahead with it anyway because he knows it's the only one that can vanquish him and his hubris would overcome this silly prophecy, this other magic this, which is below his special, you know, dark magic that he prizes. Hmm. Yeah. In terms of the choice between Harry and Neville, I I do agree that that was an actual choice on Voldemort's part, but I guess I think that it was a choice only in the sense that it was a choice between two possible options. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that Voldemort could have chosen not to choose one baby or the other. He, could have, he couldn't have been like, eh, this prophecy doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. I'll just keep on with my life. His, I think his destiny was already set. And I'm very interested in when Voldemort's destiny was set. Because Harry's destiny was set when Voldemort made the choice. Yeah. But when was Voldemort's destiny set? Well, I have some things to say on that, <laughs> if you want me to go there. Yeah, yeah, you go. Definitely. According to Lauren Dworsky, mm-hmm. there's a concrete genetic determinism in the Harry Potter novels, and I can agree on that. The whole fact that there are people who are born magical or not. Oh yeah, that's interesting. There are people who are born evil or good, mm-hmm. and this is inherent in their personality and physical features. The fact that all the Slytherins are ugly, the fact that most people who yep. are evil are ugly too, things like mm-hmm. that. And people are born with the personality yep. traits embedded in there for life. That's why the house system works in the canon of the series like there's no way that in real life if you were 11 you would be in the same house that you were in when you're 30 like it doesn't make sense but it seems to for the harry potter world yeah so maybe there is a kind of genetic determinism to voldemort and that's why the the choice that he was going to make about choosing harry over neville was always there because Voldemort always felt that he was special. And another part of his specialness is that he was half-blood and powerful. Does that make sense? And so therefore he projected onto the baby. Yes, it does. Yeah. So um, another thing that I want to think about in terms of like genetic predeterminism, or whatever it was that you just said, Voldemort was in a way always going to choose Harry. Yeah. But... Could either Harry or Neville have been the chosen one? Was was Neville equally suited to f- fulfilling the prophecy? Well, that's really interesting. Okay, so we can see that Neville has just as much potential to be heroic and self-sacrificing as Harry does, but yeah. he's just more of a late bloomer because unlike Especially Harry... Especially in his later years. Yeah, unlike Harry, yeah. he never had that sort of personality i guess thrust upon him like harry did from day dot Mm -hmm. you know yeah neville he did lose his parents at a young age and was Mm -hmm. you know raised in like terrible not really terrible conditions i mean he had a grandmother who was a bit over eccentric in his in her expectations of him but she wasn't like the dursleys (laughs) yeah yeah stern and harsh but not cruel not outright abusive and the way that he was raised like Harry Mm. did shape him to be the kind of person that he was. So Neville was like, you know, he started out shy and insecure, but because of Harry, Neville became the way that he was. And that's said in the seventh book when he's leading them into the castle. He's like, exactly. I started standing up for myself because I saw the way that you stood up for others and for Hogwarts and what was right. And that made me inspired to do the same, basically something along those lines. Yeah. So maybe Neville wouldn't have become a hero if Harry wasn't already the boy who lived. 
Maybe if Neville was the boy who lived and under all this pressure, he would have just cowered under it and never risen to that challenge because he wasn't inspired by Harry. Yeah, maybe. Mm. I think Neville has Neville has as much potential as Harry, but Harry has abilities and connections that Neville doesn't. Like the whole situation with the Marauders and Wormtail being a traitor and right. joining Voldemort and how that ultimately leads to Voldemort coming back in the fourth book. That's distinct to Harry. That wouldn't have played out in exactly the same way if Neville was the chosen one. Yeah. Alison, Frank, Longbottom might never have been betrayed if they were chosen. Neville might have been safe in his house for his entire childhood and Voldemort might have never been killed. Yeah. And also the fact that just, even if Alison, Frank, Longbottom had been killed, not just turned insane, Mm -hmm. Neville had a grandmother. He had that connection to the wizarding world the whole time. So he always knew his place and he understood it to be a disappointment, basically, because he can never fulfill the ideals of his grandmother and stand up to what his parents were. Mm -hmm. That would be so much worse if his parents had actually died fighting Voldemort rather than been tortured into insanity. Yeah. Whereas Harry, because he didn't have that other family connection, you know, all the Potters are dead. Mm -hmm. He just has the Evans family, Dursley's now. And we saw how that turned out. So, yeah, actually, I'm not sure Neville would have been like in the same as Harry at all now that I think about it and another thing to consider is Harry has to live with Petunia because of his mother's sacrifice but I'm pretty sure that Neville's grandma is his father's mm-hmm. mother so if Alice fills the lily role mother. and Alice sacrificed yeah. herself maybe there's no blood relative of Alice to protect Neville with the love spell yeah that's a good point we don't know we don't know yeah so we don't know but I think, like, it's hard to predict how Neville would have been if he was the boy who lived. And I love Neville, and he's great. But I think that Voldemort choosing between Harry and Neville wasn't so much about setting up Harry or Neville's fate. It was about Voldemort choosing his own fate. Yeah. I think that Harry ultimately leads to Voldemort's downfall, and I think that choosing Neville ultimately leads to Voldemort's success. Interesting. And... As I'm saying this, this is a great episode topic. We should really do this as an entire episode. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, unknowingly, Voldemort was choosing his fate when he chose between these babies. Yeah. So, that's just a bit of a tangent. Yeah, what was I talking about? Yeah, okay. When is Voldemort's fate locked in? Because it's not when he makes the choice between the babies. He was always going to make a choice. He was never going to ignore the prophecy Mm -hmm. because of his own nature and because of what he's trying to do do to the world. He can't have someone who's prophesied to defeat him existing in the world. Yeah. I also think that whole either must die at the hand of the other for neither can live while the other survives. That's another thing which sounds like it's predicting something inherent, Mm -hmm. but it's actually predicting choices yet again. Because it's not like Harry and Voldemort can't exist in the same world at the same time without killing each other. You know, like they're not draining each other's life force by both existing. Voldemort has to kill Harry Mm -hmm. because Harry is a challenge to his power. He's living proof that Voldemort is fallible. And Harry has to die at Voldemort's hand, according to Voldemort, because Voldemort has to prove to everyone that no challenge to his power will ever exist for too long. Harry has to die and I have to kill him. Whereas on the flip side... But also from Harry's perspective... From Harry's perspective, yeah. yeah, Harry has to kill Voldemort because he'll never be free... Uh, and able to live his life while there's this genocidal psychopath who's after him specifically. And Voldemort Mm -hmm. has to die by Harry's hand because Harry's the Horcrux and Voldemort can't be killed by anyone else as long as Harry is alive. And all of that ties back to 
the choices made by the characters, Voldemort's choice. But also Harry has to be killed by Voldemort's hand to destroy the Horcrux which was placed into him because of Voldemort's choices. And therefore then Harry yes. can destroy Voldemort by his own hand. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, Harry has to die at Voldemort's hand and then Voldemort has to die at Harry's hand. And that's the only way yeah. that this could have played out. If Bellatrix had tried to kill Harry, mm-hmm. I think, like, I don't know, she just would have failed. It just would never have happened that way. But here's the thing. Absolutely none of this would have happened at all if Voldemort had never heard the prophecy. His mm. his fate to choose between the two possible heroes and ultimately decide his own end. That was locked in when he heard the prophecy, I guess. But also, he didn't choose to hear it. Like, he didn't seek out knowledge of the future. The knowledge was brought to him by Snape. Yes. And this is where things are going to get even more confusing. Stick with me for a minute. All right. Snape chooses to give the knowledge knowledge of the future to Voldemort, which ultimately sets him on his path to betray Voldemort in an attempt to save Lily and then later to protect Harry. Okay, yep. If Snape had known that Lily would be killed by this prophecy, he would not have told Voldemort. He wouldn't have. So that would have been an example of making a choice based on knowledge of the future, which causes the future to not happen. But in saying that, that didn't happen. So like that whole, Mm. you can make a choice to change the future. I just don't think it's possible because there's no evidence that it could happen. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think. Even if Snape had heard the prophecy, figured out it was about Lily somehow, and decided not to tell Voldemort. Yeah. You know who else has heard that prophecy? Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Yeah. So Dumbledore can figure it out, and he might do actions which might provoke Voldemort to discover what the prophecy is, Mm -hmm. either by torturing Snape or using his oculancy powers on Snape or something like that. Legitimacy, I should say. Exactly. And, or finding out through other means, maybe going after Trelawney. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I think it still would have worked out anyway. Yeah. So when is Voldemort's fate set? It's not when he makes the choice between the babies. It's not... At birth. It's not when he hears the prophecy. It's not when Snape hears the prophecy. Is it when Dumbledore hears the prophecy? Or is it when Trelawney makes the prophecy? Because I think that Trelawney making that prophecy, that happening in the first place, was only triggered by the specific circumstance of Dumbledore and Snape being in the same place at the same time, exactly poised to act on what she heard. Yes. And even the circumstance of Snape being outside the door and only hearing the first part of it. Yes. If they weren't both there, yes. Trelawney, I don't think she would have made the prophecy to an empty room, because if these specific people didn't hear that prophecy, then it wouldn't have set off the right chain of events to lead to the Harry Potter series, so the prophecy wouldn't have been made because it would never have come true. <laughs> Let's just make something clear before we go any further, because this is important. Yeah. Trelawney didn't make the prophecy. Yes. This is something else I want to talk about. So Trelawney is just a vessel. Yes, exactly. Trelawney is just a vessel for the voice of the prophecy. When she makes important prophecies, like the one about Harry and Voldemort, the one about Voldemort's servant in the third book, Pettigrew, coming back tonight, she uses a voice that is not her own. She has no memory of it happening. She is not Mm -hmm. speaking. There is something speaking through her, and I guess the only explanation is is that it's some kind of time god, yeah. or, <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it. The voice that speaks through Trelawney and makes the prophecy, because you're right, it's not Trelawney's voice, it's something speaking through her. No. That voice is either something all-knowing, like a god, or it's, 
it's like a manifestation of the universe itself laying out the path that it will take. Like, it's time itself. It's like some sort of cosmic force. I think it's a letter. Or it's J.K. Rowling. Yeah. <laughs> it's the author telling us what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is a manifestation of time magic, basically, is speaking through yeah. vessels. Which is Trelawney Sears yeah. and stuff like that. And centaurs and stuff like that. Yeah, going way back to, like, my theory of magic and what that is. And, like, yeah. elemental magic. There's love magic and one of the other kinds of magic is time. Yeah. So, like, time magic itself. Like, flowing through certain people, I guess. Yes. Because Trelawney doesn't remember the prophecies she makes. I think that no seer remembers the prophecies they make. Because... With my whole thing about... That's why they have to be stored in those little orbs. Yeah. Yeah. Once you know the future, the future is set. I think if you knew the future all the time, you would be insane and unable to function. You couldn't make any choices because you would know that you can't make choices. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to live. So I don't think seers remember their prophecies. I think they just make them. Yeah. They can make predictions, but not their... they don't remember their prophecies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much <sighs> to unpack. So you've been talking about when did Voldemort decide? Like, what what was the impetus behind his decision to choose Harry? When did it start? And I mentioned yeah. offhandly that it was at birth as a joke, but I'm also serious. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> genetic determinism, baby. Just to sum up my argument, the conclusion that I came through walking backwards through what happens with Voldemort and Harry is that he never made a choice that mm. the future was set the moment that the prophecy was made yes so nobody nobody sets yes. the future it just it kind of set itself i guess i'm saying that time magic manifested itself into a specific future which sounds crazy and now you need to do background research into our podcast and listen to previous episodes to even understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is so messy. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> please, please go into what you were saying about Voldemort's birth. Yeah. So genetic determinism, like I was saying, people are born ugly and evil. People are born good and beautiful. People are born magic or not, all this mm -hmm. sort of thing. There's also other objects in the wizarding world that demonstrate genetic determinism. I mentioned the sorting hat and the house system. No one has the same personality throughout their entire life. Yep. Other ones are wands. The fact that wands choose people and the wand cores seem to demonstrate elements of that person's inherent personality that never changes throughout their life. Yeah. Tall people have long wands. Short people have short wands. Dragon heartstring people are like, you know, ferocious, all this sort of stuff. James gets a wand that's very skilled at transfiguration and he ends up becoming an animagus. Yes. Now, is it because the wand is good at transfiguration yeah. or because he inherently is good at transfiguration? Chicken and egg. I think a circle has no beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing is the Goblet of Fire. It chooses champions based on their inherent qualities. How the fuck does it do that? People are born what they are. That seems to be the message from the Goblet of Fire. Yeah, because the Goblet of Fire isn't, like, telepathic. All it has to go on yep. is your name. And as we know, there's a... So it must it must know you. There's a distinct connection between a wizard and their name. That's what the owls remember about, but the wizards have no idea what that is about. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah, the owls know. The owls know the connection between your name and your specific magical signature, and that's how they find yeah. you. And maybe the goblet knows. To deliver the mail. God, this episode requires... 
This episode requires so much previous knowledge from our podcast. I hope you've been with us since episode one, if you're listening to this. No, make this your first episode. (laughs) Start with this one. Start listening to this one because I mentioned Joel Dusher in it and you saw him tagged on Twitter. Get totally confused. Rage quit. Never listen to us again. And then if you have any complaints, please contact plumbingthedeathstar at (laughs) gmail.com. They started this with their Plumbing the Death Eaters podcast, which made us start this podcast. A circle has no beginning. A circle has no beginning. It was genetic determinism, baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So another thing I just want to say before I forget. There is a quote in Chamber of Secrets where Dumbledore says, It is not our abilities Mm -hmm. who show us who we truly are, Harry. It is our choices. This may seem like... Dumbledore saying, you know, it's yeah. the choices that we make that determine our future. There's no faith in what you make, Sarah Connor. But he said, show. Choices show who we truly are, not our abilities. Mm-hmm. Choices don't determine who we are. They just show the character yeah. that we have in what we are, who we are. So like I was saying with Harry, if Harry had been resisting his fate all his life, that would have shown who he was. That's the choice that he can make to show who he is. But because he chose to follow his destiny and you know, be the hero, mm-hmm. that is showing who he truly is. It's not determining who he is, because he was always meant to be that, but it's yeah. showing that he's willing, I guess. It's it's making the difference. Yeah. So what Dumbledore's saying, he's not saying, like, your choices let you decide who you want to be. What he's saying is, your choices mm-hmm. shape you into the person that you were always meant to be. Yes. Which is very, that's a very different sentiment. Yes. Yeah. It's like saying free will and choice only exist up until a point. How wild is that? So wild. I I guess I've sort of come to the conclusion that free will doesn't exist in Harry Potter. Yeah. And I think JK... <laughs> Which sucks. That's such a sucky conclusion. Damn you, Joel Dusha. JK's actually said that too in an interview. I think I remember seeing it. Uh, when she was talking to Daniel Radcliffe about it, and she said, it's funny how it turned out like that in the series, that free will isn't a thing, and fate is more of, like, what decides our lives, because I'm the complete opposite in my real life. I think fate is just what you make, but it turned out differently in the series. So I don't think she was intending (laughs) for this sort of world to transpire, but that's what did happen. I'm honestly 100%. I think that's just sort of a side effect of when you write any sort of story with prophecies in it. Yeah. Like, when you start... You start including time travel and prophecies and all that sort of stuff. You kind of have to end up on a future where everything's faded because that's just the way you construct those stories. But I agree. Like, I'm arguing for this in this episode, but in the in real life, there's no such thing as fate. There's no such thing as destiny. Mm-hmm. We create the future every moment, every day with every single choice that we make. Before we finish, should we touch on whether or not wizards can see the future? Because <laughs> I have just a little blurb. So I want to touch on wizards being able to see the future, and I also want to touch on centaurs, because in the past I've said that centaurs can't predict the future, and I have something else to say about that now. Okay, so I think that all wizards can see the future. I've been saying this forever. Um, I basically think that some people are just more Mm -hmm. attuned to it than others. So there's lots of evidence to back me up in the series. Like, Ron has hunches all the time about people, about things, and he's often right, but he's often not, like, taking it seriously. Harry's dreams, for goodness mm-hmm. sake. It's like he could, he if he had just remembered his dreams, like kept a dream journal, he could have found out who Voldemort was so much faster in book one, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Harry dreams the future all the time. Yeah. Dumbledore's brilliant ideas. I think Dumbledore's sort of like guesses and hunches and inspiration comes from a bit of like this sort of intrinsic knowledge that all wizards have. 
And same with Hermione's estimation. She often has a, mm-hmm. a really sound judgment about a lot of things. I think that, yeah, all wizards are kind of tapped yeah. into time magic like they are into every facet of magic. But some wizards like Trelawney and Seers mm-hmm. and, of course, magical creatures like Centaurs are just way more open to it, whether by, like, practice or choice yeah. or just a natural inclination. And so that's why there's a difference between Seers mm-hmm. and people that are just, like, normal wizards. That makes sense. If all of if all magic ties back to these great elemental primal forces and all magic users are sort of attuned to all of them but stronger in certain ones like harry is stronger with love magic Mm -hmm. then it makes sense that there are witches and wizards who like everyone has access to time magic but some of them are very very skilled with it like trelawney yeah and that makes them seers yeah i agree with that i i like the idea that any witch or wizard could potentially see Mm -hmm. the future could be a seer and it might be like a skill that you develop or it might be a skill that you're just born with yeah actually hold on a sec before you continue maybe that's why harry didn't remember his dream Mm -hmm. you know how seers don't remember their prophecies oh yeah what i just (laughs) said about how i think it would drive them crazy if they remembered their prophecies yeah. That's why Harry never remembers any of his dreams. He dreamed about Krill's turban talking to him in Voldemort's voice, and he didn't remember it because he was right. Yeah. <laughs> he had a prophecy. It wasn't just like... He dreamed the future. You know, there's different levels, maybe. You know, there's, a, there's prophecies where, you know, time talks through you in, like, a big show like Trelawney. And maybe there's more subtle ones where it's just you have a dream about the exact future that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that sort of gives you, oh my god, and that gives you, even though you don't remember the dream, that gives you a a feeling or an energy which motivates you to act in the way that the dream wants you to act because time is fixed. (laughs) Does that make sense? Oh my god. (laughs) Maybe every time wizards go to sleep, time magic like fills their heads and tells them what they have to do that day. (laughs) Maybe not every time, but like, I'm just saying. Oh my god. I hate it. You're so onto something there. We don't have time to develop this dreams tell you the future theory right now, but you're you're onto something. There is something there that we need to unpack at a future date. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to wrap up this episode with a couple of points that I have about centaurs. Alright. So in the past, when we've talked about centaurs and divination magic, mm-hmm. I think you argued, first of all, that all seers are descended from um, interspecies <laughs> relationships between centaurs and wizards. <laughs> I did, didn't I? <laughs> God, I'm yeah. funny. <laughs> Amazing. Horse dogs. And, and I argued centaurs actually can't see the future and divination in their society is like is like astrology. It's just like a cultural practice of looking at the stars and, you know, reading meaning into them that isn't actually there. I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think that was that was just something I said at the time for reasons I don't remember. <laughs> so I want to start off with... I basically just want to talk about the first time we ever meet centaurs in the Harry Potter series. Book one, when they're in detention mm-hmm. in the Forbidden Forest trying to track down the sick unicorn. Mars is bright And the centaurs roll up. I think it's... Yeah. It's Bane and Ronan or whatever. And, they, and Hagrid's like, is there anything strange? What's going on in the forest? Have you seen anything suspicious? And they both say, Mars is bright tonight. Yeah. And that's very funny and interesting. No. It's very funny because, <laughs> like, obviously Hagrid's asking, like, have you seen any shadowy figures? Yeah. Blah, 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 in the trees. And they're talking about what they can see in the sky. Yes. But Mars is, like, 
a god of war and conflict. Yes. And so the fact that the planet Mars shining brightly in the sky, that kind of means like, you know, the forest is dangerous tonight. This is a time of, of conflict and danger and you should be careful. Yeah. So like Hagrid asks them a direct question. They give him a direct answer, but he just doesn't understand mm-hmm. because he doesn't know what they're talking about. It's just a really cool interaction that I like a lot. Yeah. That was a tangent. Now let's get into my headcanon about what happens in this scene. Yeah. So. I love this headcanon too. Yeah. Harry encounters Voldemort in the forest. Voldemort is about to kill him and then Ferenz rushes in and saves Harry. Chases Voldemort away and saves Harry. Yep. And then two other centaurs, Bane and Ronan, show up and they start yelling at Ferenz and saying, you know, you shouldn't have done this, you've meddled in things, blah blah blah, and they get really angry at him. Mm-hmm. My theory of why this happens is that the centaurs in the Forbidden Forest have seen in the future that Harry Potter is going to die at the hands of Voldemort in the Forbidden Forest. Absolutely. And that's why when Ferenz saves him, they're like, oh no, what have you done? Yeah. You've meddled in the future. Like, this is terrible. You've you've unraveled the very strings of time which bind our universe together. Yes. And Ferenz is like, fuck you, I don't care about the future. <laughs> But what actually happened, of course, is that they predicted what was going to happen at the end of book seven. Yeah. And they just didn't realize that their prophecy was seven years early. Mm-hmm. So Ferenz didn't change the future. He saved the future by making sure that Harry was able to live long enough to walk to Voldemort in that final confrontation and die in the Forbidden Forest. Yes. Yeah. So good. And that's my little headcanon and I'm so proud of it. And it's so good. <laughs> Yeah. Hooray for me. I did it. I love when things work <laughs> out that way. Like, different characters are on different timelines, and then they finally sync. It's like that episode in Doctor Who with Blink, where they're talking to each other yes. through the video. Or in yes. Hill House, when they finally sync up all the siblings. And I love watching that come to fruition. Yeah, I really do enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love time, baby. Oh, time travel stories are so good. And I love the fact that the centaurs are living seven years in the future. They're just, that's how far they see ahead. <laughs> They're truly living in 2027. <laughs> like dogs. Imagine having a centaur as a friend and you're like, oh, I just got a puppy. And they're like, what are you talking about? It died yesterday. <laughs> Whereas I think it's more like, um, you know, oh, uh, you know, I, I drove home from university or whatever. And the centaur's like, you shouldn't have done that. You were supposed to die driving home from university. And you're like, well, fuck. I guess that's what's going to happen to me one day. And I have no way of knowing which day. Yeah. <laughs> because centaurs aren't that specific. It's going to happen seven years from now. <laughs> could happen tomorrow or it could happen two years or five years. Or I guess I need to become an academic and work my entire life at this university. Yeah. In the hopes of putting it off until I'm in my old age. <laughs> but then you have a child and they go to university and you're driving them back from university. <laughs> and then you die. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did we reach a conclusion yeah i think so i think we reached the conclusion that all wizards can kind of see the future fate is set but you can at least be happy about it you're gonna suffer but you're gonna be happy about it and more proof that ron is a seer <laughs> yeah i guess that's the conclusion that i came to I f- like a circle has no beginning i think as well is another conclusion kind of came to contradictory conclusions a little bit because it's like all wizards can see the future, but also seers don't actually see the future. It's more like time magic 
knows the shape that the universe will take and speaks through the mouths of people to lead them to their inevitable destinies based on their personality and the choices they are going to make, will always make, have always made. Yeah. But but seers do, do still see the future in their small predictions, though. Just not their giant prophecies. Yeah. I mean, I guess they could still see it if they are able to review the prophecy in a memory. Like, that's how I assume the prophecies are made. Someone yeah. who witnessed it takes their memory out, puts it in a little, like, orb, and then that's how they're all there. Mm. Okay, that's another question. Do you think those orbs are automatically generated, or do you think that you have to make one and submit it and send it to the ministry? I think they're just crystal balls that people have lying around, because wizards would probably have a bunch of shit in their house, like crystal balls and cauldrons and shit like that. And that's why... Especially seers. And that's why in the movie, they're all different sizes and shapes and stuff like that. Right. Mostly round, because they're crystal balls. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not like a, a uniform shape which they and size, which they would be if they were ministry, you know, made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but isn't there a line somewhere at the end of the third book, and I can't remember this specifically, where, like, Harry tells Dumbledore about the pro- prophecy that Trelawney made, and Dumbledore says something like, all prophecies are made at the ministry, and I think you'll find there's a new one there. That makes two. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who can say? I like your theory better. I guess, you know, maybe they're all processed at the ministry. Like, you know, the people who see prophecies mm. happening, it's like a civic duty to take it to the ministry. I mean, I would. <laughs> I don't want to fuck with no time magic, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. I like that. Time magic is definitely yeah. like the most dangerous kind of magic. But also the most inevitable. And <laughs> I like that because that means that the most inevitable... Because that means that Harry witnessed a real prophecy and then because he doesn't know anything about this procedure and nobody else was there, he just never recorded it and never sent it into the ministry. Yeah. And that's why only he and Dumbledore and <laughs> Harry and Ron, um, Hermione and Ron know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have been Jem and I believe that there's no fate but what you make, but maybe fate is telling me to say that because of my genetic determinism and the inherent personality traits that I was born with. Who knows? And I've been Rhea, and there's no fate until you know your fate. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.